Welcome to Dwight and Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the unofficial behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Yakopo. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 3, Peanut, written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams, directed by Jeffrey Hunt, guest-starring Evan Hofer. As always, a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched Episode 3 yet, stop whatever you're doing. You can clean out your koi pond later and watch Peanut either on BYU TV or at BYUtv.com slash Dwight. A quick recap. Dwight takes Greta to his happy place, an animal shelter, from which Greta flees upon seeing the cutest animal on the face of the planet, Peanut, because she thinks it's a demon called a Varger, and she and Baldrick spend the entire day in fear that this adorable pup will eventually reveal itself to be a bloodthirsty demon hound and eat Dwight. Now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests. Creator and showrunner Brian J. Adams is back with us again. Hello, Josh. Hello. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. It's <laughs> my pleasure, as always. Who let this guy back? <laughs> <laughs> and here for the second time in two weeks, Joel McCrary and Sloan Morgan Siegel are back as well. Yay! Yes! 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 What a crew. <laughs> Amazing. So so uh, let's get right into it. This one starts very differently than the previous two episodes. We got a classic X-Files-style monster opening, but it turns out to be just a little puppy. Um, Brian, how did you decide to start like this for this episode as opposed to the school and Dwight-centric openings in the previous episodes? That's a great question. We really wanted to set a different tone with this one. Actually, from the beginning of, of this, when we were conceiving this episode, we kind of viewed it as a, a mini horror movie. And we wanted to kind of play with some of those uh, horror movie tropes. Uh, so uh, the, you know, the scary flash across the scene and then, you know, the the unsuspecting guy taking out the, the trash. It was originally two guys. I, I, I should get into this. This this script was one we had a long time and it was one of our favorites. And it was originally a husband and wife. Uh, but as always, budgets, the budget realities uh, sort of uh, crept up on us. Uh, but we wanted to set a, a, a scary tone, but then subvert it with uh, with the cutest puppy in <laughs> uh, uh, on the planet. It really does feel like a horror film, the way you set up. And horror films always usually start with an example of what the villain can yeah. do. And, and this, you kind of do the reverse on that, where you have all the setup for a villain and then... We we exactly we, we were we were setting up we were kind of playing with those tropes yeah and that, that works perfectly um so we get we really get rolling in the animal shelter which correct me if I'm wrong was that set up where we have lunch was that in the lunchroom that was yes that was the lunchroom that is also our wardrobe uh, library uh, at times and also uh, it has senior. been a senior center and yeah. it was a one other set as well. We we it was it was a senior it was a, where we had the ladies lunch uh, at the at the senior senior right. center yeah uh, and then and then we had uh, the animal shelter there and then we we used it for mul- and we'd had lunch there uh, we, that that room we really got made a lot of use of very that room. versatile room it was such an odd room it was yeah. that, like we used it really really and well. production meetings I remember us having lunch yeah. while a production we meeting had was lunch happening. and production meetings and then mm-hmm. yeah the wardrobe department took it over for a while it was the the most uh, <laughs> utilized room in the history a couple of, of, ta- movie making. A couple of table reads. In there. But it really, uh, I mean, that goes to, you know, our set deck people are so amazing. You wouldn't know that ever. Yeah. And so th- those guys really did a great job with the, yeah. the look of all of our sets. It Absolutely. is incredible. The yeah. only reason I noticed is because food is very important to me. So I recognized <laughs> it as the food room immediately. So, so we start in this animal shelter and the greatest guest star of all time is introduced, Peanut. Um, 
what was it like working with Peanut, and did you have chemistry sessions ahead of time? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so first of all, Peanut and I, we don't, we're not on speaking terms currently. Oh, no. Uh, we had a big falling out, me and mm. him. This is really the behind-the-scenes gossip we're it looking is. for on this but podcast. But in all seriousness, that dog and I did not get along. I love dogs. <laughs> I lo- I have, I'm a dog person. I have two Great Danes. This little monster was a diva. I, I had to hold him for a majority of the episode. Mm-hmm. But every time I'd hold him, if he got sick of it, if he was just like, eh, I don't want to be held anymore, he would bite me. Oh, this so, little monster. So he was method acting. He was seriously method acting. He was like, he already thought, I was like, dude, the CGI hasn't kicked in yet. Like, chill. <laughs> but instead, he was just like, you know, I don't want to be picked up right now. Casper, is he's the hardest to work with actor I've ever worked with on a set. And um, I just, I think everyone should know that. You just know? so typical. I, I do remember after a particular <laughs> uh, rough scene that uh, well played. Sloan <laughs> handed the dog off to the dog wrangler, and as he's walking a- away, he says, that dog is a jerk. But he didn't actually use the word jerk. He used a stronger language than that. Like floof, I yes. understand. Um, right. so, so, uh, so, Brian, not only did you write an episode with a dog and multiple other animals, including the koi, which we'll get to in okay. a bit, um, but you also wrote in a moat and a very young child. What drove you to write an episode including three of the most difficult things to deal with in production, animals, yeah. water, and young children? Yeah, we, we like to torture ourselves and, and our production team. <laughs> and, and your actors. And our actors. <laughs> we, we just like to, we like to torture everybody. Actually, we've, we had the idea for Peanut for several years uh, before before we shot it, and it was always one of our, our favorite episodes. And, and actually, uh, when we were developing it, we didn't have a, a lot of the... We, never, we didn't even know what the budget would be or if there would actually even be a budget. So it, it was really freeing to just write an episode that was fun, that we were excited about, uh, without the normal constraints we have to deal with about the practical realities of, can we shoot this, and do we have <laughs> enough money to shoot this, and will the dog behave, and all the rest of that stuff. So it was, it was fun, and that was, that was good and bad. I think good, it, it was great to not be limited uh, by the practical realities of life, but it was bad because then when the practicals of realities of, of life <laughs> smacked us in the face, it's like, oh man, this is going to be really hard. We got kids, we got dogs, we got moats, we got you know all the rest of the stuff. So it, it, it was difficult, but I think, and, and the script did go through a lot of revisions, and we can talk about that a little bit later uh, if, if you want, but uh, yeah. the ch- it changed a lot, uh, but I, I feel like we kept the essence of what we of what we loved about, about the story while you know, dealing with with the practical realities of life. Yeah, also the moat was was never actually full. So like we never actually we never saw the moat be full until like we saw the episode air. So like I always we always just saw it as like a big old dirt pit. <laughs> and and then and I was like Guys, are we ever gonna fill the moat? And they're like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll fix it in post." There's no water in your moat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> good bummer to tell you. So that's all. So that's all digital effects. All afterwards. the water is is CGI, and yeah. the moat stopped at the driveway, and so where it continues across the driveway was all added later. That's filled so. in as well. Did it continue yeah. across the drive? I didn't notice that. Wow, it, that's it, so cool. It did. And the, the moat. We were just did, there for, for months. <laughs> how, did we, how did we break the concrete just in the show? Yeah, with, with hammers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hammers and a lot of effort. That that moat <laughs> that moat was was a source of so many fights with the production teams. Because they were like, you gotta let go of the moat, you gotta let go of the moat. And it was we just we refused because Greta's house is so important and the look of it, and just having a moat around a, a tract home in suburbia was just one of the funniest images in our mind. And so yeah. I, w- I was so stoked that it finally came together. 
together. But that was literally months and months of fights about that. <laughs> well, it, it was worth it because it looks right. Awesome. It looks great. It yeah. really did. Actually, uh, my mom, I, I heard from her, and she said I stopped and paused, just sat there and laughed Aww. when I saw the full <laughs> shot of that. <laughs> and yeah, reaction. so it it was great. I, oh, I did so too. Stoked. I went back and just like looked at it. It's several beautiful, times. right? Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. it's I, didn't, I didn't think twice about it, and I knew that it was a dirt pit. I didn't, I didn't think twice <laughs> yeah. about it. So um, Dwight comes home with Peanut, and Baldrick tries to attack Peanut with magic, but it doesn't work. And, and, and in the previous episode, Baldrick's staff gets broken, as does his brain for a bit. Um, going into episode three <laughs> with reduced powers, did that change Baldrick for you? Is there a confidence shift in him? How did, how did that work for you? Uh, I really thought during this scene, you know, when um, the the previous scene in, in Flip, when um, Sir Dwight gives Baldrick the duct tape and he kind of looks at it at the end there, I kind of took that when he put it back together and it held together that he thinks it's going to work. And so in that moment, he pulls it out and rush out beam, Bob, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. You know, which is one of my Whatever favorite mumbo things. Jumbo you I get said. To, I get to do is just improvise. Do you make that up every time? Uh, yes. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm. Uh, yeah, I basically start praying in tongues. <laughs> and, you say the then, same like four words in different ways. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, although there was, I don't, I don't remember which episode it was. It was Alvin Alfred Day, I think. Oh, okay. Another yeah. episode where I started <laughs> going into it, and all of a sudden, it came flying out of my mouth. It, it started, and I couldn't stop oh, it. Oh, how um, could you? But uh, yeah, so when 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 he does that, I think he's expecting it to work, and then it doesn't, and then he knows it's broken. So it's when it doesn't, he's not really surprised, but he is disappointed. He thought I thought this was going to work. Um, uh, so yeah, I th- I think he definitely feels more vulnerable in this world. But it's such a brilliant thing that the writers did to give us more problems. Because if I had that, it would be too easy for that to solve our problems. So our brilliant writer said, mm-hmm. let's make that problem. And the great idea of let's still have it, but it's ineffectual or it doesn't quite work right, which maybe we'll see that in a future episode. I don't know. <laughs> so, Brian, because this show has such a large fantasy element, you and Leanne have so many opportunities to name things. How did you come up with Varger? The Varger actually has its roots in Norse mythology. Oh, and and, and so it's it's like a, a it's we take a we've taken a little bit of liberties with it, but it really a, a Varger is like a uh, you know a demon a demonic wolf. Uh, they don't always transform into you know cute little puppies, but that's one of the, the fun things that we do is we take something that's existing you know in in Celtic mythology or Norse mythology, and, and we we just have a little bit of, of fun with it, and we can take some liberties because it's so so old because the you know the the stories and the mythologies are so old we can just you know put our own little little twist on that yeah and of course that goes back to the original concept of the show it's putting a twist on a sleeping beauty tale exactly in the park scene the double convo about the dog and dwight between the woman who has another dog and and greta it's not just very funny and i'm a real fan of miscommunication scenes (laughs) uh, when it's done for comedy um but it's also telling with regard to how greta sees dwight Right. It, it, that's true. And, and, and that's an interesting scene. That's that's the first time we see Greta. I mean, we, we always talk about that this is a, a story of, of worlds colliding. Uh, and, and this is the first time that we get to see uh, Greta uh, collide with the modern world by herself. I mean, we've seen her interact with, with oh, other wow. people uh, from the modern world, but this is the first time we get to see just Greta by herself 
having a conversation with someone from the modern world, and and she thinks she's killing it. Uh, I mean, she thinks she's she's really got this. But we we had a lot of fun, uh, you know, writing that miscommunication, just like a study in the way that words morph over time. Like you know, uh, the the pig-headed one, uh, and and the you know the obviously the rescue. It, it's, it's the rescue. Yeah. That's a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, and so playing with the the you know misunderstanding there, it, it was delightful. And then it gets to one of our, our favorite moments when we were developing this uh, idea a long time ago. We, uh, I, I've always been a little. I mean, everyone does it, but it's, it's like picking up the dog poo in, in the bag and then mm-hmm. like walking off with it. That's just such, if you really step back at how bizarre that is. And so we, we were, we, I remember we were driving, I, I remember the moment we were, we were driving, uh, we're getting on the freeway and we're talking about like, oh my gosh, what if, what if she thinks, uh, you know, Dwight picks up the poo and she thinks that, that he's going to keep it. Like, what are you doing with that? Oh yeah, he that? does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't want to add to a landfill. He's very recycling conscious. Yeah, it's for growing my tomato plants. Exactly. Yeah, you're composting. (laughs) So we we thought that was just so hilarious to you know like shining a light on the absurdity of of little pieces of of modern life and that that's that's one of them and and then going back to what Sloan was saying that dog would not poop ever it, I, it was like it, I don't know if it was com- constipated but actually what we ended up with that's visual effects poop oh, uh, really? that's not real poop and in fact there were there were several phone calls about what you know if it was the right color of poop we, we had to change the poop <laughs> colors several times so yeah that and if you look at it you can tell that dog that poop is much bigger than that little tiny dog would have <laughs> produced. <laughs> well, we it is a varger. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. true. Yeah. You're right. That is a good point. Welcome Man. to show business. <laughs> Let's listen to a clip. Feast and grow, my coy army. <laughs> well, hi, neighbor. Good evening, common folk. Wow. Sure come along with your improvements. Should your lands come under attack, you may take refuge within. Cool. Well, it's great to see the neighborhood getting some character. Have a great day. I heard about these guys on Nat Geo. They're called preppers. Preppers. All right, so this is the most important question of this episode, and Brian's not allowed to answer this. Uh The friendly neighborhood (laughs) joggers. This is for you guys. Oh, yeah. How difficult were these actors to work with? Did they they allow you to look them in the eye? I heard horror stories about that. It it was uh, surprisingly difficult. (laughs) Um, I had been forewarned. Mm. uh, You know, wardrobe, hair and makeup, they all said, hey, by the way, these two coming in are... Really, a couple of pieces of work. Um, you're going to have your hands full, and mm. um, and and actually, they wouldn't do the scene with me. Oh, they they shot it separately and yeah. then brought you in later. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they, wow. But the one thing is professional. They did have cardboard cutouts of themselves <laughs> that they provided that I could do the scene with. Someone's going to hear this and think that all this is real. Yeah, okay, like, okay. What okay. monsters! So, so for those of you at home, the two joggers are. Our showrunners and the creators of this show, Brian and Leanne, they they had a little cameo here. How did that come about to decide that that was going to be the cameo? I, I, that that is an interesting story. Again, because we worked on this script for so long, we we wrote those those parts and we thought. 
that could totally be us. You know, like we'll 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 do a little cameo here. And we had for years we had thought, okay, we're gonna be jogger number one and jogger number two. I'm jogger number two for for the record. Mm-hmm. And then, but on the day when it got to the point of uh, of actually casting ourselves in the role. I have to say, my wife, Leanne, freaked out, and she was not going to do it. And I, I should also say, she went to school on an acting scholarship, but she was so, she's like, no, it's going to be horrible. We're, we're going to ruin the whole episode. And she was so... And I, she was right. <laughs> she, she was so, I had to, actually, Jeff and I, it, she cast the role. She she demanded that casting send over parts for it, and there were other other joggers, and then, but Jeff, Jeff Hunt and I, the director, we had to, we would like, come or down and, mm-hmm. and and actually Jeff finally just put his foot down he's like you're doing it or we're not doing the part <laughs> so That's great. so we had to we had to gently coax her into it and and it was a bizarre I did not go to school on an acting scholarship by the by the way you can tell by my performance <laughs> but looking staring down the barrel of Baldrick in that in that moment I mean I Joel and I have talked uh, you know a million times before that but when I was actually face to face with with Baldrick and you know good evening common folks and you know, like seeing the intensity it, it was I was actually shocked by how different it was, and it's a, it's a testament to his acting skills that he was a totally different person. I, uh, I may have put a little extra pepper on it. For <laughs> Did you feel like a, a dad in a scene with your son? I, I, <laughs> Because you created him, basically. Well, it, 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 <laughs> I was confused by the question for a moment, uh, but the <laughs> it, it, it was like stepping into you know to our own imaginations. I mean, this whole experience of walking you know walking around the set, like yeah, I remember when we thought of that, and and, and so yeah, like like speaking to you know something that popped out of our mind. It's it's a bizarre experience. Most people uh, who are are not like on psychotic drugs or in you know some, <laughs> some, some sort of institution don't usually get to have that experience. That's right. And, well, and it, it was great having you guys there. It was, it was super fun. Yeah, and it, and it, it really did fun. turn maybe, out. Maybe Jogger One and Two will have a, another recurrence one of these days. I hope so because the the final beat in that scene, the preppers line, really got me. I mean, that that's funny and <laughs> well, such I, a good I, I have to give. Uh, the head of the network, Mike Dunn, uh, the the credit for that. He, in one of the rewrites, he he actually he he said, "Yo, this would be funny." And and we've gotten a lot of great feedback, and that he should get like a co-writing credit on the episode because that was that was his line and his idea, and it, it was it was really it's a really yeah funny. it's a great yeah, moment, so and it, and it really does feel real between you two. You guys nailed it. So Sloan, uh, your uh, physical comedy on this show is. Truly, consistently hilarious. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It makes me so happy. Um, Even going back to the pilot when you're crawling over a log while they're expounding the virtues of a champion. Like, that's (laughs) solid stuff. Um, In this episode, the axe dodge, was that you... Did that take preparation, or did that just happen? Okay, now, a lot of my favorite moments on this show like that just were like, All right, we're going to throw an axe at you, by the way. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, they just do it. Was there rehearsal for it, or were you no. just... No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love the physical comedy I get to do on the show. Uh, I love being able to sort of bring it back to that 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 realm of comedy you know that very like like a three stooges type of comedy yes. which i was raised on you know I, and and i was raised on very like you know monty python-esque humor and mel brooks uh humor and, and three stooges so like mm-hmm. to be able to have lines like that and mo- moments like that and scenes like that um to bring that back to modern day to show kids of the now that that that's still funny i mean that's really really an honor for me he has and and this episode, but 
in in future episodes for fans of physical comedy. There are some great physical comedies, and there's moments, and I've told you this before, that he he will remind me of the great Peter Sellers, mm-hmm. uh, in particular doing Clouseau. And there 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 are takes and times when his timing and his physicality is right there, and those that's my favorite. The old Pink Panther are my absolute favorite. So on set, when I see him doing that, I'm just sitting there. Loving it. And it's like, well, I can't wait to see this on television. <laughs> what was it like creating, designing the Varger? Um, is it all CG? Was there a practical puppet version of it as well? The, there were so many conversations about the Varger and how to how to create the Varger. And th- literally, we probably went through... 20 different you know ideas before we landed on what we what we ended up with uh, again with the constraints of the always there's like a push and pull of you know it has to be awesome but it has to fit in the budget and you know that that sort of thing and so what we ended up with 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 the varger was obviously we started out with the practical dog um, and then we we the first transition uh, as as uh, peanut becomes the varger uh, is a is a model that we bought uh, from a it's sort of a library of visual effects uh, assets uh, so a, di- a digital model that you yeah bought. a digital model yeah so uh, so uh, so it transforms first into this it's it's a it's like a, a wolf wolfy looking thing and so when you when you first see it it's it's transitioning into that in that model and that's like the the in between stage um, it, we use that I, I think just for two shots we see that that wolf uh, and then it transforms from that uh, from that wolf model into our custom creature which um, our, our visual effects supervisor Ben Burrell who's been he's with uh, Cosmic Pictures in Salt Lake City uh, and Ben has done an incredible job on all the visual effects but this was uh, sort of his Sistine Chapel <laughs> <laughs> and and he uh, he and and his team created uh, the custom creature uh, of the Varga which we we were very inspired, as, as is obvious, uh, by one of my favorite movies of all time, Ghostbusters. Uh, oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. The, the, the gargoyles. Yeah. Z- yeah. Zool. Zool. Yeah. And, 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 in fact, there's a couple of moments. Um, so the, the creature itself is inspired by, by Zool. Uh, that was I, actually, uh, Ghostbusters was hugely influential in my life. In fact, I, I was in, I was very young. It was the first time I ever skipped school. I, 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 ah. I, I played hooky to go see Ghostbusters in the theater um, uh, with my brother and my 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 friends and it was just an unbelievable theatrical experience. We really were paying homage to both the creature, uh, Zool, and then also when, if you remember, when the creature busts into the hallway. Mm. Uh, so when when our Varga busts you know, out into the to the back patio, that was it was all you know paying homage to. Well, that. I, I think I got to say, skipping school that day was probably. The- Considering what you do for a living now, <laughs> you may have learned more that day that helps you now than what you would have learned in school. So, so kids, skip school, kids. Skip it school. pays off. Valuable <laughs> lesson. And if you hadn't, you may have ended up being an accountant. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? <laughs> Thank goodness you're really bad at math. <laughs> I mean, Gave us all jobs. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's right. Let's listen to another clip. Get inside. Get the big axes. Put stuff in front of the door! How's that animal fat coming? I see it! I think it's wounded. What? Oh. Poor little demon beast. That's the pack. I think they're calling it home. There's a whole pack of those things? 
They keep mostly to the woods, but that little one has been hunting us for years. Listen, if you ever tell me that my puppy is a... a, 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 a Varger? That, I promise I'll take your word for it. Tis I, you fools! Baldrick! I beg your pardon, I meant to say, tis I, you fool, and your highness. The end of this episode, and it happens at least every time in the first three episodes, and it bowls me over each time, um, we hit the heart. And the first time in the pilot, it's about Greta's concern about blending in and, and Dwight supporting her not to change herself. The second time is about your parents and your Nana, as well as Greta's parents. And this time, it's it's an apology. So my, my question for you um, is, do you feel like these are the core of the evolution happening for Dwight? And how does the character evolve for you in these final scenes? I think the heart of the show for me, um, when it's not, when we're not talking about comedy or we're not talking about the high concept story, I think I think the real heart of this show for me and for Dwight is understanding. It's like, you know, the, the, the core of Greta and Dwight's relationship is it's two people that come from drastically different worlds understanding each other and accepting each other for who they are. Uh, and that plays a really big part throughout the show is like Greta and Dwight, they have, they have no possible reason for being in the same room they have no possible reason for like like it was just random coincidence it was fate that they met right and they should never have met statistically but since these two people have met that are so different and since you have this guy that's really accepting and really kind and since you have this girl that's really battle-hardened and tough and had a rough childhood <laughs> um <laughs> it's i love those moments because everyone in the world is just trying to understand each other. You know, we're all walking through this life without any knowledge as to what the person in front of us has really been through. And I think this show shows a really good example of taking someone you've never met and learning to see from their perspective. As you would say, you, yeah. you call it Dwightish. It's yeah. like having empathy for those, even if they're the villain, you know, even if they're Jacopo the Troubadour <laughs> or, or a Varger, some, some beast that some would argue isn't even a, a conscious thinking creature. It's, it's a, a, a monster. But at the same time, I think the heart of the show is, is to have empathy. Uh, and I think that is why our villains end up not ending up being villains, is because if you show someone enough empathy... Um, they can become your friend. So I really love those those heartfelt moments because they, it, it shows that um, it, it's the friendship growing because at the end of the day, the show is about two people becoming best friends. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, well that's really said. well Yeah, it was really well said. <laughs> and and said. you guys, you two perform those scenes beautifully. Thank it's you. really great work. That's yeah. all Caitlin. I, I just no, say this. No, no, it's, no, it's, it's both <laughs> of you. It's but she really, really special. Is really, she's like, it's it's so easy to act with her. Because she's so present and so in the moment, and like we're we're really good. We've known each other actually five years, um, like long before the show was ever a possibility, and um, like I I've never gotten to work with her, but I've always known her. We've always crossed paths, and now that we have had the chance to get to know each other, like like I I just I love that person every day, every and more every day because she's just such a good friend, and and I like family, you know. And, but, yeah. and and what you said is really true. It is so easy 
to do a scene with her. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she's so good. She's she's just a pro. Yeah. You know, and she's been what, doing it since she was three. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, and when I got the pilot and heard, oh, by the way, you're going to be working with a 13-year-old teenage girl, I thought, oh, boy, this will be <laughs> interesting. Uh, but it was like first scene, first day, boom. It was just like, whoa, okay, I'm working with a professional here. Yeah. i got to step up my game. Uh, but but seriously, she's so present in the scenes that you don't have to do a lot. You just listen to her, mm-hmm. and it affects you, you know, and oh, there's – our writers do such a great job yep. of really, really funny, funny, funny. Hey, here's a little heart for you. Here's a little tender, nice moment. And there's some really, really sweet ones coming up. Last couple questions. Um, Joel, how long did you have to stay buried under those leaves? And how many times did you have to get reburied under those leaves? As a method actor, I stayed in them. Uh, they went and shot the other scene in the woods, <laughs> and I just stayed under there. Oh, good. I think it was five or six hours. Wow, oh, wow. Um, that's impressive. Did you did you have some bologna while you were in those things? No, but a couple of grubs crawled up, and I just snacked on those. Smart. You know, Smart. So I know how to survive. <laughs> I was wondering where you were at lunch. Yeah, I was eating grubs in a leaf pile. Wow. Perfect. Um, well, good. And uh, now we get to... I hope that answers the question. <laughs> it answers it perfectly. I think that's what people... I love that he's know. moving on. Okay. Okay, fine. Yeah, that's, I got the answer to that totally one. Totally fair. I believe it. I have no reason to, to think you're uh, not telling me the truth. Um, so we get to the real point of this episode at the end, which is bringing Clodwig back. <laughs> um, was uh, Now, we, we've talked about this a little. This wasn't always part of the plan, but this is the scene where you get him back into the story. How'd that this, work? This is, and, and actually, I had, as I mentioned, this is the third episode, but it's the one we filmed last, right. you know, after, after 20. And, you know, obviously by this time we have you know, tons of, of Clodwig footage. And I had this weird anxiety that we were going to forget to film the scene <laughs> uh, because I was, and I was like, what are we going to do? I, I used to, I don't know why I had this, I would wake up at night and say, we got to remember to get that scene. And of course we were. It's on but everybody's we, when, schedule. When we finally had it, like, okay, good, I can calm down. <laughs> because it would have been a real problem if Clodwig just showed out up, uh, up out of nowhere. And, you know, as, as I mentioned before, you know, uh, Evan Hofer has really taken uh, the seed of, of Clodwig that we had and just, you know, grown it into something so incredibly funny and so uh, beautiful. It, it, he just keeps giving us gold with this. And it, as I mentioned, he's really, you know, become a, a fan favorite. So, um, so you know, bringing him back here and, and uh, we're so <laughs> excited by a couple of things. First of all, uh, that some, somewhere off screen, uh, Greta and Clodwig had the conversation. <laughs> well, since you're my cousin, you can, you can live out in, in my, my hermit hut. <laughs> and, and that, the, that to the two of them, that made perfect sense. Uh, and, and then, you know, you know, Dwight's reaction, it, it's just <laughs> utter disgust when he's like, wait, that's your cousin. You guys were going to get married. Like what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> Medieval times was whack. Yeah, yeah. It was. And, and so, mm-hmm. uh, but seeing, seeing Clodwig finally, you know, come back on the scene and, and now he is the villain kidnapper with a heart of gold and and now he's just part of part of the gang yeah. uh, but he's, he's but so, still very unstable yeah Got, you know um uh i when it, i read the script and saw that he was coming back super excited it's like that's great and because i've worked with uh evan uh this is the third show we've worked oh, that's on together right. yeah we were on a show called kicking it on disney xd i played bobby wasabi and he played randy Mm-hmm. Uh, who we often referred to as a hair bag. And then he also <laughs> did an episode of Gamer's Guy where I was a writer and director on that. And now we're working on Dwight. So that's great. It's really great to work with him. Yeah. 
He's a, a lovely human being, as He's we've mentioned best. before. Um, okay. Well, that wraps it up for Peanut, Season 1, Episode 3 of Dwight and Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the unofficial behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. Thank you, Mr. Adams, Mr. McCrary, and Mr. Siegel for being here. You're so very Thanks welcome. Thanks for having us. Mr. Siegel is my father. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it was great talking Thanks, with you guys again. Good to see you, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> we should get Harry in one of these times. Um, you can follow Sloan on Instagram at Sloan Siegel. You can follow Joel on Instagram at McCrary underscore Joel. You can follow Brian at Brian underscore J underscore Adams. And you can follow me at the Josh Breslow. And if you have any questions that are still unanswered about Peanut, please tweet your questions or send video questions to at Dwight and Armor, and we'll tackle them in a later episode. Tune in next week for Season 1, Episode 4, Lotions and Potions. I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life. <laughs> <laughs>